this thing on? <laughs> Just get some bloopers Can going. Can I have your attention, please? No, 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 no. Snoop Dogg! <laughs> Hello and welcome to Chasing the Vibe with LSKD. I'm your host, Brooke, and in today's episode, we have Tegan Minette, also known as Zeta Gray. Tegan is a former youth worker turned DJ and in the mix of it all, heads our collaboration and partnership team. You'll hear from Tegan about her decision to leave her career in social welfare and chase her dreams of being a DJ and producer, as well as insights into the team she manages here at LSKD. Here's Tegan. Hey Tegan, thank you so much for stepping away from your desk and joining us. Hi Brooke, it's so great to be here. Thanks Um, for having me. I'm glad, (laughs) I'm glad. All right, first question, I'm just going to, you know, get straight into it. Uh, And that is, how do you chase the vibe? Ooh, it's the big question, isn't it? Uh, I chase the vibe in a few different ways. So I love going to the gym, always been, well, I used to be a dancer. So fitness um, and moving my body has always been something that I'm very passionate about. And obviously getting older, it's something that (laughs) I need to make sure I'm doing very often to try and keep my body youthful. Um, and apart from that as well, I'm heavily into music, so I do DJ. Um, so very vibe chasing in that space, jumping around like a maniac, playing music for a big crowd. <laughs> Definitely. And one thing people probably don't know is that you're my team leader. Yes. So you're kind of like team leader by day, DJ and producer by night. <laughs> yes, it's a double life. <laughs> Super cool. When you were young, you know, was DJing on the cards, was, you know, what did you want to do when you were younger? <laughs> I actually wanted to be a lawyer or a marine biologist. Mm, into dolphins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I wasn't even into sea creatures that much. I think it just sounded cool mm. and that I wanted to do that, but clearly didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what did you study? So once I finished school, um, I kind of had no idea realistically where I wanted to go. I think most people don't have an idea what they want to do. And I remember doing our, I think it was QTAC applications or something here in Queensland. Mm. And we just have to put a bunch of different degrees and universities down that we're sort of interested in. And I literally remember skimming over the book and I was like, oh, a Bachelor of Human Services and a Criminology and Criminal Justice kind of sounds cool. Um, so a bit of a double degree, it was four years. So I kind of just put myself down for that and my OP, I ended up getting double what I needed. So I got accepted into that, went to Griffith uni and came out with, yeah, double degree human services and criminology. So mm, I did a similar thing. My careers advisor was kind of like, okay, pick a, pick one, <laughs> pick a degree, what you're kind of interested in. And I did a similar thing. You kind of put your preferences down yeah. and then you pick one. And I know I had a mid-degree crisis where I was like, <laughs> what am I doing with my life? I, I started with education. Uh, so, but you finished it. You went through. I did. Yes. Finished it. Fresh 21. Uh, and when you, out. when you started that, did you have a job in mind? Absolutely that- not. <laughs> I knew I didn't want to be a counselor, which is where a lot of people go into because it is that human services counselor mm-hmm. and you do a lot of like um like components within the degree as well that is counseling based there was like forensic psychology stuff in there as well which I always really enjoyed the psychology stuff but I didn't want to be a psychologist I didn't mm-hmm. want to go into anything like that and obviously that's a lot of further study but mm-hmm. um yeah no idea I luckily got I, I was always more interested in the criminal side of things so I ended up doing my prac at um probation and parole so I was a probation and parole officer for like the last end of my prac and they ended up offering me a role after that Mm -hmm. yeah 
which is a whole other world. <laughs> yeah. So you yeah. got into that and how long were you in that for? I did that for about two years. Okay. Mm. And did you end up just going, this isn't for me? Yeah, I was on temporary contracts. So um, I just ended up not getting renewed. I did sort of float around a few different um, offices within the Brisbane region, um, but I, I didn't enjoy it. Mm. It definitely wasn't somewhere that I wanted to be long term. So. And what, what was your day-to-day like? Um, just office, a lot of office mm. work. Like there's a, I don't really want to go into too many like crazy stories mm. and stuff like that, but, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of report writing, a lot of ticking boxes, a lot of, um, a lot of reporting, a lot of data, a lot of, um, shift reports and yeah, assessments and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And where did you go from there? So you didn't get your contract renewed. What mm-hmm. did the, the next step look like? Yeah, so I ended up, I remember applying for so many jobs for quite a few months. So I ended up actually working part-time um, at a solarium back when they were legal. <laughs> I was very tanned. <laughs> um, and then I ended up actually um, getting an interview for a youth worker role um, with a with a not-for-profit organisation who works very closely with um, child safety. So um, I ended up working in resi care. So pretty much kids in out-of-home care, under sort of under like the the child safety is like their guardian essentially Mm. these kids so a residential care essentially when you um if there's a notification or something made to child safety for a kid that's unsafe um they go through the process of if they if they ended up removing the child from where they are they can go with sort of family and friends that's the first option obviously to not disrupt this child's life as much as as much as they can and if that breaks down they go to like a foster care situation and if that breaks down resi care tends to be sort of the the end of the road for Mm. these kids so yeah i worked in a residential with mainly females from the years of 12 to 17 um, and we would do 24 hour shifts yeah, and wow. we'd have sort of two staff on at a time. We had a team leader and we had a case manager as well. So a lot of ticking boxes, report writing, we had, you know, critical incidents and all that kind of stuff as well. Worked very closely with child safety as well as like their schools, their psychologists, doctors, counselors, um, and we're pretty much their guardians essentially for these kids. That's full on. Yeah. I did that for about three years. Okay. Yeah. And what was your decision to move on from there? Um, I think burnout's a very big thing in that kind of industry and space. And obviously, you know, when you're working with kids with severe trauma histories, it takes a quite a big toll. Mm. Um, and I think I just got to the point where I was 26. I think I, I resigned in December 2016 and I just went, you know what, I'm not too old to change it, change it up, do something different. Um, I think we all get so stuck early on in life where we think we have to do what is safe and what is normal and what what we think the normal progression of life is and um yeah I just went not for me so I literally I remember her breaking down in tears in the kitchen one morning and I called my partner and I just said I can't do this anymore he's like write up your write up your resignation send it to me hand it in this morning when you go to work and I did yeah wow yeah no definitely and I think like you said when you've spent all this time doing a degree it's quite difficult for someone to say oh actually I don't really want to do this anymore and I want to do something else but hey that might require some more study or that might require some more time to learn that next field (laughs) and I'm still paying off my hex debt (laughs) amen sister yes Um, (laughs) but as you said you know if you're if you're at that point where you're you're you know crying and breaking down Mm. it's not worth it it's Mm. honestly not worth it yeah I'm a tough cookie but yeah it it broke me I'm not gonna lie (laughs) yeah 
think it'll break a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't sound easy. So what was the plan after that? I had a little bit of leave saved up. So obviously you get that paid out when you leave. So I kind of wasn't too stressed and it was literally Christmas and I had leave planned already. So um, it kind of came at a, at a decent time. So I was just like, cool, I'm just going to take a couple of months off, reevaluate what I wanted to do. And I ended up get, getting a, a casual job at my gym that I was currently at. Um, yeah, so they took me on in a reception role. And then I kind of just worked out what I was going to do from there. <laughs> and how did you find yourself at LSKD? Um, my partner and the CEO, Jason, um, have been friends just sort of in the Logan area for a very long time. So I have known of Jason um, for ages and I've been wearing LSKD and back when it was LKI mm. forever. So, um, yeah, he ended up. Well, it kind of ties into my DJing stuff as well. So he mm. kind of saw what I was doing with my Instagram and I kind of understood the the importance of social media. Um, and he kind of said, hey, like, are you interested in coming over to do like a day a week just and sort of reach out to people and see if, you know, we can get some clothes on some people, get them posting about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, this kind of sounds cool. Um, we'll give it a crack. So literally mm. I think I did um, like 10 hours a week. So I would come in from nine till four on a Tuesday or a Wednesday I can't remember this was back in 2018 and then I would do like three hours over the remainder of the week so just logging into Instagram replying to DMs um, obviously Instagram and internet doesn't stop so just sort of getting back to people here and there and it was really tough when it was LKI um, and obviously we didn't have budgets and everything like that so it was quite a tough gig but then I sort of progressed and went to two days a week and then three days a week and then four days a week and then COVID <laughs> hit and then I kind of got the, hey, I could go back to DJing because at the time I was obviously DJing sort of from Thursday through Sunday. I was touring a little bit here and there um, and I had like a number of residencies within Brisbane as well. So I was quite booked up with mm. a lot of the shows that I was doing. Um, and then obviously, yeah, COVID went to zilch and kind of went, hey, well, COVID could end in two months and I could go back to what I was doing, which is a lot of late nights, sort of jumping from venue to venue from like 6 p.m. at night till 3 a.m. to 5 a.m., whatever, whatever it sort of looked like. And it was like that could happen back in two months time or it could take a couple of years. Like we really don't know mm. what that would look like. And I really wanted to start, sort of pursue my career here as well. Um, and they're super supportive with me still DJing. So now I'm, I'm quite choosy with the sets that I do on the weekend and I won't overbook myself so I can kind of manage both at this stage yeah definitely yeah I want to talk about the DJing because mm -hmm. that's how I kind of met you yes um this isn't our first interview no <laughs> <laughs> I did uh interview you for a radio station mm. um, a few years yeah it would have been a little yeah. while ago mm. Mm. so when did you start DJing and, and how did you kind of get into that so, um, as I mentioned before, I danced my whole life. So sort of being on stage, I used to compete in sort of state, national, and I went to Worlds, um, actually my final year of uni. So I was training for a Worlds um, competition as well. Anyway, yeah, always dance, love performing, all the rest of it. Um, turning 18, fell in love with festivals and then um, was lucky enough to go over to Tomorrowland in 2015 and then EDC in Vegas in 2016. Wild. And I was more heavily into the bass music kind of space then. And um, I remember just watching these DJs going like, why couldn't I do this? Mm. And luckily enough, my partner used to DJ way back before we met. And he had some tractor decks laying around. 
um, and we just kind of like hooked him up and I just sort of said, hey, can you just like teach me a few things? This would be you know fun to just muck around at home with. And then I started putting a couple of um, mixes together, started doing a couple of like Facebook lives and stuff with copyright where they would take all your stuff down. But <laughs> <laughs> um, that and I was like, this is kind of fun. And then I think when I resigned from my role in 2016 and sort of said, what am I going to do? I kind of was like, oh, I can give this a crack. Like, what have you got I've, to lose? I've got nothing to lose. <laughs> and then I, yeah, sort of t- practiced and practiced and practiced and then ended up sort of started playing shows in Brit. Well, I got my first gig in April of 2017. And I was in the bass room at Stockies, the old Stockies um, mm. on Sunday sesh. Yeah. And um, had no idea how to use CDJs because my decks that I'd used were completely different. And then there was like things that were like broken and not working. So luckily I had a couple of guys there that sort of helped me work it out. Um, But I think if I didn't take that leap, I would never have done it and would have never thought I was good enough. And then, um, yeah, I moved more into that party, cheesy kind of space, but with my passion in EDM, um, like big dance, um, big room, electro house kind of space. Yeah. And it kind of just kept going from there. Like I just, you know, got a couple of photo shoots done and I, you know, do some mixes and then I just sort of play in a few different venues and and we're still here. Yeah. Yeah. And you're playing now in, is it the biggest, biggest nightclub in Brizzy? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I start in terms of, I don't even know where I started. I, I got it. I managed to get a residency at GPO in Brisbane, which was the sister club of the Met, Mm. um, which obviously is the biggest nightclub in Brisbane um, with big international artists coming over. Yeah, so I started, I managed to get a contact actually through Jason (laughs) conveniently because he knows everyone and Keith. So it was, um, Jason was talking, I think it was like Keith's cousin who was doing something in the marketing space for GPO. And they ended up connecting me with him who then connected me with the booking agent at GPO who then managed to get me on to do a set. And then I was a resident ever since. And then they kind of brought me over to the Met after mm. that for a couple of shows. And now, yeah, resident at the Met. So I play there a couple of times a month, Yeah, which is pretty cool. I'm still yet to come and, and watch. But sometimes you're like, oh, I'm, I'm 3 a.m. this Saturday. Yeah, I'm last like, weekend was 3 a.m. <laughs> I was like, I'll be having a cup of tea and straight yeah. to bed <laughs> by 9 o'clock. I don't blame you. <laughs> It is very early. I love that. I guess with DJing, you see all of the good stuff, you know, the really cool packed out nightclubs and, and you know, social media. It's your highlight reel, right? It's everyone's highlight reel. What are some of the challenges, I guess, with deciding to, to go down that path? Uh, so many. <laughs> Where do I start? I think, you know... We- Instagram is a highlight reel. Your Facebook page is a highlight reel. It is the best of the best. Um, But I think there are so many. I think, you know, you did your shot as well. Mm. Yeah. You you see these DJs and it all looks like this extravagant life when you're constantly, you know, downloading music, prepping sets, playing to no one. Like there are so many sets that I did that I played to literally no one. And then you've got like the sets where people come and request songs and you, you know, you're not sure if you're good enough and like all that kind of stuff. But I think also being a female in the industry as well, you're kind of not really taking that seriously. I know I've got like friends that have come up to me after they've sort of seen me play and they're just like, hey, like I've got to apologize to you because I just thought you were another hot female DJ on a poster and you actually can DJ. I think that's such a stereotype that girls can't DJ. Yep. 
God forbid that we could put two songs together and mix them in, um, in time. Mm. So I think that's still a bit of a stereotype. And I think there's a lot more females coming through the industry now, which is amazing. So I think everyone's got to kind of step up that game a little bit, but, um, yeah, I think working, working your way up there and then obviously getting the sets as well can be tricky, um, sort of building those relationships, but, um, it's definitely, yeah. Mm. I can totally relate with the feeling like, you know, good enough in yeah. that sense it's I think and it, I, I guess that's with everything you start you're like oh is this is this really for me or am I in the right path because you're not perfect and that's kind of mm. what I struggled with and you know yeah all the songs because yeah like you mentioned I did your shot I I um started going yeah maybe I'm gonna go down the DJ path this was like 2018 or 2019 and then I was like one late nights <laughs> but yeah. then too I was like it's all the tracks challenge. that you have to download you know yep. the prep and I'm like what if I stuff up you know what it, you yeah know, all that kind of stuff so yeah it's like, a live performance too so you mm-hmm. do stuff up things do break on the on the fly like that stuff does happen and I think yeah you know things always look fantastic online but at the end of the day too like for a 3 a.m set I would sleep until 1 a.m get up do my makeup get dressed drive myself in walk in by myself play my set you know, it's not always, you, you don't always have friends coming out. You know, I've been doing it for four years now. You know, at the start, you'd have a few fr- friends coming out and enjoying it. And, you know, you, you'd have some drinks and enjoy the time and, and whatever. But it's not like that if you're trying to, you know, trying to stay, stay somewhat healthy, work a full-time job, um, you know, produce music as well, go to the gym, eat right, sleep right you really can't be out drinking and partying every weekend. Like I'm getting no younger. So there is quite a few different challenges that do it. But I mean, obviously if you love it, then you sort of continue. And all those little things as well. I feel like people need to celebrate the little wins because Mm. you're not always going to have those massive wins. And so if you, if you, accelerating those smaller ones it kind of gives you that extra little bit of a push to keep going but yeah. most people don't they go cool ticked it off let's go next yeah thing. let's yeah. keep growing but yeah, in, yeah when you look back journey. you're like well I've actually kind of done quite like mm. quite well and and quite a lot of things so and what have you cool. done like what is I guess maybe your most significant moment in with DJing or something that stands out to you at a certain place you've played mm. or a country you've played in yeah well, I actually just through relationships um built via instagram which is literally our jobs Mm. um i managed to make a connection um over in chicago so when we traveled there in 2018 i actually managed to get a set over there um but it wasn't a busy venue or anything like that but it was super cool to be able to play obviously over in america for free Mm. um which was yeah which was really fun but i think um one of the biggest crowds I probably would have played for would have been schoolies mm. a couple of years ago on one of their beach festivals. It was absolutely mental. Um, Is that and here then, at the Yeah, down at the Gold Coast, obviously pre-COVID. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of like big acts that I've supported, um, you know, Tiger Lily, Will Sparks, I've supported a few times. I'm actually supporting Timmy Trumpet this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> um, supported Stafford Brothers. I've supported Havana Brown. Um, and a few guys like that. And then I played at Festival X a couple of years ago in one of the, like the little V tents, um, which was super exciting. So a few things names. happening. Yeah. Yeah. Don't yeah. forget so me super grateful. Yeah. <laughs> super grateful that I've been able to, yeah, actually play alongside these guys, which is, you know, you look up to them for, for so long and to yeah. actually be there in the same space is, is really awesome. With what you do, did you want to kind of give it a, everyone an idea of what you do or what we do in collaboration? Yeah. Cause I think. 
yeah, you know, traditionally people hear about sponsorship and partnership, but I guess collaborations is a bit of a new age job. Yeah, and it's something I think where like a lot of businesses who are adopting sort of an influencer marketing kind of approach, we're all kind of navigating it with no idea what we're doing or there's no sort of measurable checklist Mm. that we're like okay you know this is your role and that's what you're doing we're Mm. kind of winging it a lot of the time um but we're starting because i've been here for nearly three years now so we're starting to get a good handle on um what works what doesn't work what Mm. we can test and all that kind of stuff but essentially um we build relationships with people via social media on social media and just try and share the brand message so you know our mission is to inspire people to chase the vibe we look at people who fit within that we've got pillars um you know fitness sport travel and adventure so whether they fit in in that kind of space and then with our direction of um functional sports where with the street aesthetic as well and we're really pushing that fitness side and sport um, sport clothing, sportswear side. Um, we're really looking for like athletes, up and coming um, people who into sport, people who travel, people who like to adventure, people who get out outdoors. So we're just scouring Instagram. We're scouring, you know, online for people. We're building, we're jumping on calls, building relationships. Um, we're really trying to push over in the US as well. So I know Brooke and um, our other team member, Esther, who's in the office here with, with me, they focus heavily, like you guys focus heavily on like the Australian New Zealand space, which we've still got so much untapped. Mm. And then um, it's really cool. We've got Nick who works over in Bali, but two days a week remotely. Um, and then potential for another team member over in the States at the moment, um, really honing in on that US market. So essentially we're just like working with PR agencies and um, just getting clothes on people to post about it and yeah. share and share their feedback. It's super cool as well because we have some seriously talented people that we work with, yes. whether they're creators, whether they're athletes, you know, whatever space they're in. It's so cool and it's really inspiring for us to see what yes. they're doing and you know obviously to have lskd on their back is pretty cool as well but it's just this kind of you know we want you to inspire your community but then mm. i don't think they realize as well that they're inspiring us all Absolutely. to chase the vibe as well so yeah it's a bit of a circle there yeah it's a really random job hey like <laughs> we kind of just do a bit of everything but i you, you know the easiest way to describe it is just finding people and building relationships with people who really align with our direction mm. yeah I actually was one day working from home and and my partner was there and he was working and I was on Instagram and he's like, are you working? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm working. Anyway, then I start watching a YouTube video and he's like, Brooke, like, <laughs> what are you doing? And I was like, no, no, she's, you know, this particular girl has tagged us um, or worn her, uh, our clothes in her YouTube video. I'm just like checking it out because I think it's super cool. And he's like, oh, yeah, true. Because mm. before now, you know, I was in that. Uh, kind of a traditional office job you yeah know, every through emails through phone calls mm-hmm. but this you know I'm, we're on social media 24 7 it's yeah. quite funny because at lunchtime I'm like that's the last thing I want to do absolutely be on my own I was just about to say the same thing I get home and normally you know you just scroll Instagram and like scroll Facebook and scroll TikTok now is my new obsession I get stuck in TikTok mm. for a very long time yeah. but yeah and then you just get home and you're just like I am sick of scrolling mm. <laughs> but yeah it's definitely cool it's definitely a cool job I think totally mm. with our roles you know you're our team leader so where do you kind of see our roles going in the collaboration space Mm. so we've recently sort of trying to hone in on what 
our roles look like and sort of the divisions that we have. So essentially we have um, a creator space, um, which Nick heavily um, over in Bali manages that. So a lot of our travel and adventure creators, um, amazing videographers and photographers, um, but they obviously get out and chase the vibe in a crazy way. Um, so we have a really good pillar there around that creative space, um, which is really cool. And now we're starting to build out our sort of fitness athlete ambassador space as well. So with our sort of street sport, we really want to focus on that um, functional sportswear fitness kind of space. So, you know, at the moment we're sort of talking to a few sort of athletes or ambassadors that we're bringing on to really drive that section um, and that pillar of the business. And then another big pillar of our business is our partnership space. So heavily um, our relationships with local gyms, um, group, group fitness, obviously they have amazing community and we're all about community. So that's um, a heavy space, which Brooke, you, <laughs> you've yes. pretty much taken a massive lead on that, which is really exciting. So um, with that, with the gyms and all that kind of stuff, um, you guys might've seen that we are building our new HQ. Woo-hoo. Um, We dug ground a couple of weeks ago, which is really exciting. And a part of that whole new office space um, we've got on top, we've got a 120 square meter gym going in um, and an event space. So the whole plan is to get our ambassadors in, get our community in. We can, you know, train, test product, run events, you know, run club we've been doing for a little while. So having that as sort of our hub to do all that kind of stuff, which is really exciting. Um, so that's sort of direction. And then obviously with our heavy US focus as well, once we can travel, I think the goal is to, you know, go over. We want to go out and meet people. We don't just want to, um, you know, DM people and, and all the rest of it. We get on calls. We chat to people via Zoom. We go and visit people. We go and do training sessions at, you know, ambassadors, gyms and stuff like that. So really just building that community and making that personal collection, uh, collection, connection <laughs> um, with, with the people that we work with because they're all part of our family and, Yep. Yeah, I think we're just going to continue doing that. Our team's going to grow as well. So just constantly building those relationships and, and making our community huge. Yeah, and I'm so excited for the new HQ. Oh, just me too. <laughs> things like the retail store where people mm-hmm. can actually come in and, and try things on because, you know, just that, that next level. So yeah, it's a whole extra exciting. level and it's going to be, yeah, it's growing like crazy. So it's really cool to be a part of sort of the core team that are sort of taking this to the next level. Because imagine, just can't even imagine where we're going to be in sort of five years time or whatever. Mm, so it's exactly. exciting stuff. So to wrap up this interview, what is a saying or a quote that you live by and why? Mm, so it's more a saying and it's pretty much um, my life motto. If you don't like it, change it. Oof. Yeah. Oofed. Oofed. <laughs> Right, right on the heartstrings there. Yeah. yeah, I think, you know, everyone has the power and it's so easy to get stuck. So easy to get stuck. Mm. You know, like it's too hard. I've got a family to feed or I've got this to do. And I think, um, yeah, excuses and thinking, you know, and, and I think fear. It all comes down to fear, excuses. Um, and yeah, so trusting yourself, believing in yourself and just doing something every single day that's going to get you closer to, to making that change and making yourself happy because what's the point of being miserable? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I feel like that's something that I also live by. It's, mm. it's like if you don't like it, just fix it. Yeah. And it's not going to be easy. No. I'm not saying it like that's Absolutely. not the thing. Absolutely. But you're not, it's not also going to be easy to sit in the space you're in as yeah. well. So you yeah. kind of got to decide. And saying, you know, I don't have time or whatever, but then, you know, we, we spent how long on Netflix or, you know, how long escaping from our reality. It's mm. just like, yeah, if you really want something, you got to go for it. 
And to finish, it's just socials. Where can we find you? Yeah. Where can we follow along the journey, yeah. especially for music? Yeah. So for me, obviously, I don't go by Tegan on my socials. Um, so my DJ name is Zeta Gray, Z-I-D-A-G-R-A-Y. That's obviously at Zeta Gray on Instagram. Um, I am also on Spotify. I do have some tracks that um, are released on on Spotify with a UK label. So that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I, I am still producing. So um, yeah, SoundCloud, Spotify, you can find me on there. And yeah, hopefully new music soon. Perfect. Well, thanks so much <laughs> for stepping away from that desk, like I said. And oh, thanks we'll, for we'll just me. go back to our desks. Yeah, we'll just go back to our desks. <laughs> or, or not. Or not yeah. Is it lunchtime? No, I Actually, think it's lunchtime. Lunch yeah. Five minutes. Yep, absolutely. Perfect. <laughs> Good timing, right? Yep.